Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and our good friend and Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield, is here again this week after a uh, a somewhat shaky, a, some, a somewhat arousing standing ovation I mean, from my performance from... Kenny came in, in with ears. the with the somewhat shaky debut, but we let him come back in. <laughs> and uh, as you guys know, he's going to kill it tonight. Listen, yeah, yeah, he he's going to be awesome. The text tonight. messages that I got from my grandmother, <laughs> the text messages I got from my grandmother saying how good I did is the reason I'm back. Okay, you made her proud. I made her pr- <laughs> my baby. Anyway, so everyone knows that we're still in the middle of a of a pandemic, in the middle of the coronavirus. Uh, no sports, not much to talk about of note, obviously. Uh, so we're going to kind of bring you guys into our conversations that we have on a nightly basis. Obviously, us three communicate all the time. This is what we do pretty much every night. So we're we're basically just inviting you guys in and allowing you to listen to us we're ramble the sh- for. Yeah, we're going to shoot the sh- and ramble for thirty or forty minutes. So uh, Brooks, you're the best at rambling. So I'll give it to you to start. Man, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Uh, it's kind of one of those I mean, backhanded compliments. Right. Let's talk about, um, Brooks, talk about <laughs> the stuff with DJ Jeffries. Uh, so, so I mean, we can't have a podcast this week without talking about the insanity that, that broke out on Monday afternoon, Monday night with DJ Jeffries and a Snapchat post. DJ Jeffries is a 19-year-old kid who's going to say things that other 19-year-old kids say, period. And, you know, it just so happened that another tweet coincided with uh, DJ Jeffries' Snapchat somewhere around the same vicinity of time, and it blew up Memphis Tiger fan base Twitter and Facebook, and people went crazy thinking that the end of the world was near with DJ Jeffries' Uh, you know, transferring or going to the G League, and let's just let's just nip this in the bud. You know, while while we can, there's nothing to it. You know, sometimes we we kind of have like a I don't know. I think we've talked about this before, guys. Like this battered fan syndrome with Memphis fans. Absolutely. It's like, especially after this year, right? Like everything went wrong. <laughs> Always expect yeah. the worst. Yeah, expect the worst and hope that something good happens. And I think that's what happened here. It's that people expected some some sort of bad news to come down because it's been like a few weeks since there's been some sort of bad news. Yeah. And, so and I think this is these are the symptoms of super fans. And I was talking to Kenny about this earlier. Uh I think it was just me and Kenny on the phone. Could have been all three of us, who knows? Um but as a super fan personally of teams, you know, you you're always reading too far into the tea leaves. And I feel like that's exactly what this is. And like you said, Brooks, 18, 19 year old kids, they have lives outside of basketball. It's not just basketball. They have relationships. They have friends uh, that sometimes they need to cut off or this and that. There's so many scenarios where what he said could have been said. It's not always pertaining to basketball. Uh, these players aren't aren't always out to uh, get aroused out of the fan base and and to get fans fired up, thinking that something bad is going to happen. So, I think that's that's symptoms of being a super fan, and also like you said, kind of that battered fan syndrome of just always expecting the worst. And sometimes that goes so negatively uh, that you get a, an entire group of people or a partial group of a fan base saying that someone's going to leave, uh, even though there's zero truth to that. So. I mean, let's let's just call this let's call it what it is. I'm a 37 year old man with two kids, and if people judged every subtweet that I put out, or every like knee jerk emotional tweet that I put out, or you know Instagram post, if they judged my my current status of where I am with what I want to do with my family or those closest to me, they would be completely misled. And we're dealing with. DJ Jeffries and and other student athletes that are 
you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And, and I'll be honest, like if you judge me off of one statement when I was 19 years old, uh, you're, you're like way out in left field and I'm like rounding third to home plate. Uh, we're, we're not even in the same hemisphere in terms of where my mental state is. If you're trying to read into that and this is, this is classic Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is usually the correct one. And the simplest explanation is DJ's a young kid with emotions. Things are going on and let's just all chill out. And not everything is fault, you know, is, is going to shit. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, it's one of those things where this isn't a negative thing towards the fan base because it happens, right? Every team, whether it's professional or college or, you know, anything like that, fans respond the way that fans respond because they deeply, genuinely care about the the the, the team that they are uh, rooting for. But so this isn't a disrespectful thing or saying, hey, absolutely not. Hey, not, chill out, not. fans. You're doing wrong here. No, not at all. Um, for me, as somebody who has been in this for um, a couple of years um, behind the camera, dealing with Brooks, dealing with Christian, um, I just want to say to the two of y'all that I respect the way that y'all handled this situation because it would be super easy to um, kind of stoke the, the suspicion and the fears. And and that's just not what we do here. And And I really appreciate the way that you know, you guys um, handled this thing. I mean, Christian just graduated with a, a, a journalism degree from the University of Memphis. Brooks has never gone to school for journalism, but the, the way that the two of y'all handled that situation um, in terms of trying to get to the bottom of what's going on to give the best information out to the fan base that that follows us, um, I respect it a lot. and And I think that there's a lot of media in Memphis that could probably learn from from the two of y'all in terms of how these things go down because, um, you know, we have a awesome responsibility as as a as a publication as a fan as a as a media organization to the people that that pay that help us do these things that we do and that's to be um, as as detailed and as honest and as um, I guess it's diligent in how we how we report on things. Um, we owe we owe people that, and I just wish more people in Memphis would do that too. Well, let's rewind the clock to when I first started Memphis Roar. Now go Tigers two four seven. I originally started it because I wanted to create a place that would give fans a a a community to be informed as informed as humanly possible and give them a place to read about positive news and have a positive community. So everything that I do and have done ever since that moment has been about building a community that's trying to build up the Memphis fan base in as positive of a way as humanly possible to you know promote the stories behind the University of Memphis athletic programs and to to try to build up the fan base as much as possible. And in covering stories like this, if you stoke that fire of rumor and innuendo and not do your due diligence to, to find out exactly what's going on, you're doing a disservice to both of those things. One, you're presenting false information or incorrect information. And two, innuendo and rumor that cast a negative light on the athletic programs at the University of Memphis, specifically to this, the basketball program, is a disservice to trying to build up the fan base and the athletic program. So, you know, it's just, it's a core, it's a foundation of what we do. And we will not violate that, period. Yeah, and I think it probably wasn't like this during the Tubby era. Obviously, I didn't cover the team when Tubby was the head coach, but I'm sure people didn't freak out over every little thing. People didn't care. Right, because there wasn't anything to freak out over. Uh, but now when you look at even over the past couple months since uh, everything was canceled, there's been multiple times where stuff like this has happened. I think I think Lester... Did he tweet something or put something in an Instagram post that made people think that people started saying he was going to leave and stuff like that? 
I think that happened right after the conference tournament got canceled. Uh, so it's yeah. it's just it's kind of the way of the world of of what we're living in during the Penny Hardaway era with so many high level recruits and so many eyes on the program. As soon as someone says something, as soon as a player says something that is ambiguous or ominous, uh, you get a whole group of people. Because I don't think it's all the fans. Obviously, it's not every fan, but there are those fans that have those those knee jerk reaction and those uh, those quick triggers to think that something's going wrong. So. I think it's something that we've had to had to get used to over the past couple of years and had to understand that it's going to happen. And for us, kind of like both of you guys said, it's our responsibility and it's it's one of our goals that, you know, that we believe in. And one of our kind of our creeds that we believe in is that we are going to report accurate information. We're not going to play into rumors. And that's why sometimes when these things happen, it can be quiet for a minute on the boards until we're able to figure things out. So I think that's just kind of kind of the world we're living in with Penny Hardaway and all the eyes that he's brought on the program. Dude, that's a, a key point. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Have you ever seen, I don't know if either one of y'all have ever done this, but uh, I've done freelance graphic design and web stuff. So uh, I've in, in the circles of freelance world, there's this graphic that goes around. That's like a horse that is in different stages of being drawn. And it's like, if you want it, uh, if you have a big, big budget and you have plenty of time, this is what you get. And on the other far end is if you have a little budget and you want it really quick. And like one is like a, it's like a, you know, what's the big headed dude on PBS? Bob. Uh, Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Bob Ross. It's like a, is a beautiful Bob yeah. Ross painting of a horse. And on the other end, it's like a stick horse. And if you want really good, really accurate information, it's going to take time. It's going to require work and we're, we're willing to put that in. But in, in the meantime, you have to sit back and wait the same way a client would have to wait. If you want it quick and fast, you're going to get a really product. And that's what happens in moments like this. If you want something quick and fast, that's not an accurate representation of what you're looking for fine, go get it if that's what you want. But I'm just telling you, we want to be the Bob Ross. That's what we want to be. We want to be the Bob Ross of Memphis Tiger basketball and football information. You just com- that's, that's a quote for you right there. <laughs> you just compared us to Bob Ross. To Bob Ross. That's one I haven't heard. Um, <laughs> but guys, I know we said we weren't going to be too formal on this episode and we're going to uh, we're gonna just shoot the on this, but we still have to pay the bills. So we are going to take a quick break Uh, Go check out some of our ads, and then we'll be back on the other side to talk about some more interesting things that came out on social media this week. All right, guys, so as I mentioned, we're going to get to something else that came out on social media earlier this week. And I know typically we go in a fashion where we go basketball, football, whatever, we go in order, but uh, screw the order this week. We're just going to kind of rip stuff off. So uh, on Tuesday... uh, David Rudd posted a picture of the progress on the practice facility, and if you didn't see it, Go check it out on his Twitter account. It was very impressive. What did you guys think of the practice facility that's about 10 years overdue? It looks so good, it's not real. That's a CGI. It's not real. Just yeah. um, and it looks, I don't believe it. It looks incredible. And like I said, it's long overdue, but maybe it was worth the wait because it looks freaking amazing. Hey, University of Memphis and Ryan Silverfield, welcome to the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, everything that's going on with the football program right now, I just it just brings me back to that day when Tommy West stood up in front of the media after he had been fired. And Brooks, what did he say? Uh, I don't remember. Insert clip here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, pissed. He was, he was not he happy. Was he basically he dropped the you, mic. Yeah. He said, if you, if you want this program to succeed, then invest money. If you don't, let it go. I think those are the three words at the end that he said is let it go. And it is like even last year during the Cotton Bowl season and all that kind of stuff, people started talking about that clip and about Tommy West saying that and saying, thankfully, finally, the University of Memphis has put their dollars behind the the football program. And you're seeing the rewards of that, the benefits of that. Christian, you—I mean, you're our you're our football guy. Um, 
What did you think about the facility and, and what does that mean for the Yeah, what's it do for recruiting? Yeah, well, to to kind of go back a little bit, I mean, I know you guys can remember because you, you guys were in school in this time. I was probably five, six, seven, but Memphis sucked. Screw you. <laughs> yeah, I was a kid. I was a baby. Uh, Memphis sucked. They were terrible. They were laughing stock. Basketball school. No one cared about football. So when you fast forward, I mean, that probably lasted until what, 2010, 2009. So you fast forward 10 years and you see all the progress, which is obviously very important as far as on the field. But now you're getting the result off the field and stuff that matters, you know, for coaches, for recruiting. Uh, and stuff like that, and and like you like you guys kind of said, this is bringing them in to the 21st century. This is bringing them in, in into modern recruiting. Um, so for recruiting, like like I mentioned, every school pretty much has indoor practice facilities, and that's probably the one knock that other AAC schools or other schools that Memphis were, it was recruiting against could use against Memphis and say. Yeah, you know, they won 10 games last year. They have this amount of players going to NFL, but they don't even have an indoor practice facility. You know, what do you do on days where it's piss pouring rain and you can't, you can't practice outside? You just don't get to practice that day. You know, they, that can be used as a knock against Memphis. Or it's so, 97 uh, degrees you, and 90, 90% humidity. Right. <laughs> right. Cause I believe there's NCAA regulations against a certain amount of heat. You can't yep. go outside. You can't practice. So, uh, when you look at all those factors and and now the coaching staff is able to bring recruits to campus and say, here it is. And it's and it's obviously very nice. It's going to be a state of the art uh, indoor practice facility. They're updating all the coaches office and everything. Everything's going to look incredible when it's all said and done. Um, and I've already talked to plenty of players in the uh, in the 2021 class that have mentioned seeing the progress on it when they initially came on campus for junior day, which I believe was in March or February. So whenever they came for junior day, uh, they were able to see the beginnings of it. But now whenever they actually allow back on campus, when they're able to go see this and see what uh, the university is pouring into it, uh, I think it means a lot to recruits to, to see that the facilities match up to other schools that are recruiting them. Uh, and, and it really does. Like you said, Tommy West, it goes back to uh, the president of the university with David Rudd putting money into it, the athletic directors uh, from Tom Bowen and Laird Veach to really believe in uh, Coach Norvell and uh, and now Coach Silverfield. And it, and it obviously shows up a lot. Well, you know, one of the things that will, will be interesting to watch is to see how dominoes begin to fall in recruiting for 2021. Uh, you know, how soon does the Memphis staff start trying to push for more commitments? Uh, you know, is it, is it this week? Is it next week? Is it next month? Is it two months from now? Because here's the thing, you see them inundating social media, like, you know, Ryan Silverfield and the Memphis football account just did a kind of a, a modge podge of our hodgepodge, modge, hodgepodge, whatever, I think a Maybe. mashup of the city of Memphis fly, you know, some drone footage and some, you know, some good shots. And then, you know, David Rudd is doing uh, stuff of the new indoor practice facility. So you see them trying to push towards that and get guys early. Um, so that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, do we want to like just very neatly transition into 2021 recruiting for Memphis basketball? That, let's hey. do it. That's all up to our that's all up to our moderator Kenny over there who's so Kenny's asleep. You're talking about recruiting for Kenny's asleep. You're talking about recruiting for football. Um let's transition and talk about recruiting for basketball. Let's talk about some 2021 There's recruiting basketball. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much word for word there, Kenny. Hey, it's better than not knowing what the hell you're saying. I will give you that. And then we're going to end. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to talk about the NCAA <laughs> after that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think instead of doing this traditionally, and I, I'm sure we'll get to this at some point, uh, but for the past two years, Brooks and I have done a big board on the podcast or the, for the past year, however the hell long we've been doing this, uh, we've done a big board on the podcast just to kind of give you guys an idea, uh, kind of at the beginning of the cycle. And I say, instead of doing that tonight with all the uncertainty and with everything that's going on, uh, let's just kind of go through some of our favorite players that Memphis is recruiting in this class, because obviously just like they have the past two years, they're going to be after some of the biggest names in high school basketball. So we can just kind of go through uh, and one by one talk about some of the players that we like the most. And I think that would be sufficient for Kenny, right now. Kenny, you go first. 
Oh man, I'm so glad because I think you're gonna steal mine if I if y'all if y'all uh if y'all didn't let me go first. My, the guy that I'm the most intrigued by, um, and the 2021 player that I think could impact the program immediately um, if the Tigers were able to land a, a commitment from him is Harrison Ingram. Damn I it. I love Harrison Ingram. You took mine. Sorry, Christian. Go ahead. Um, Harrison Ingram is just one of, like, I I was telling Christian, I think, this earlier today. He's the kind, I think I was telling all three of y'all, all, the both of y'all, actually. Um, Harrison is the kind of kid that I want on my basketball team, but I also just want to talk to for like 45 minutes to an hour, just sit down across from him and just talk because he is one of the most just personality wise um, is one of the most thoughtful, intriguing, engaging young kids that I've ever met. In you my can tell that he life. literally thinks about every word that comes out of his mouth. Yeah. Very thoughtful. Yes. Very thoughtful kid. I mean, I'm 39 years old and I don't do that. <laughs> And, and it's just, it's really, it's really cool. Like, so in terms of, there are some other players that are in the 2021 class that the Tigers are recruiting that will just blow your socks off athletically. And the skill set wise, you go, man, like the translation from high school to college, college to pro is there. And I see what they have. Um, but Harrison Ingram is the kind of kid that I think is, um, is somebody that you would literally, as an NBA GM, that you would say, I'm bringing him in and I'm going to absolutely build my um, build my entire program, entire organization around. Um, he's the face of it. And I think that that's Harrison in a nutshell for the University of Memphis. Um, I haven't given a player comp for Harrison. Um, my player comp for Harrison Ingram – um, is a former Duke star who played in Memphis for a little while, and that's Shane Battier. Um, I think that... Dude, you're so um, good at these player comps. <laughs> Yours are typically so good, and you guys usually shit on mine, so you, 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 that's a good one. Um, Harrison Ingram is the kind of player that he is not going to blow your socks off in terms of athletic. He doesn't jump off the page other than the fact that he's huge. He's a, he's a big kid, but there is not a single place on the floor that he cannot actively add value to your team in the post mid range, um, three point point guard, shooting guard, small forward, you could put him in the post. You could let him post up a a a, a, a smaller four, um, but he just is so talented and is so. You can let him bring up the ball, man. Yeah, everything he can do, everything. And I I like I know I'm fanboying out a little bit, but we had the chance just to sit down and talk with Harrison's coach, Harrison's dad, Harrison himself when we were um, in Dallas for the uh, Cotton Bowl. We were covering the Cotton Bowl for the University of Memphis football team. We got a chance to go and do the our film room episode or locker room episode with um, with uh, Harrison. And I'm telling you, man, I have never been more impressed with a kid than I was with him that night. Just Here's a great spot to insert one of the best sound clips of Harrison from those sit-downs. I'm not the type of guy to where I'm going to commit somewhere and then just change teams, change teams, change teams. I've been with my team for about three years now and just playing, I like playing with, because my play style is IQ. I need to know my teammates very well to, for me to, I guess you say, stand out. So I get to know my teammates, do team building stuff and just stuff like that. All right, so Christian, I'll let Kenny go first. Y'all always tell me to talk. I'm going to tell you to go second. Okay, so I'm going to go a little different than you guys are probably expecting. I know Brooks is probably going to go with JD, or he's or he's not going to go with JD to throw everybody off, which is nope. that's what I figured. Um, that's, that's typical, Brooks. And I'm not going to go with JD either. We might do two rounds of this, so somebody will do JD. But we got to do, do JD. Yeah, <laughs> so we we can do two rounds of this. But uh, I'm going to go with Musa Diabate, and that's because personally, when I watch. When I watch these guys, especially the younger guys, I feel like watching for talent is more fun than watching for the guys that are already polished. Like when I watch 
when I went to the gym at, in a in Peach Jam and watched Cade Cunningham, I was like, okay, this dude should be in the NBA already. He shouldn't have to play high school. He shouldn't have to play a year it's of a college. No-brainer. Yeah, he should be in the NBA. Uh, but when I watched Musa Diabate, he he didn't have yeah. But I watched him for two games. He didn't have a great game. But it's easy to see just how good he can be. He's long. He's athletic. Uh, I, I think he has the potential to be a guy that can bring the ball up the floor, that can hit mid-range shots, that can hit threes, that can play defense. He's really a guy that can do everything. Um, and like I said, he didn't necessarily have great performances when I watched him, uh, but his potential is very intriguing. Uh, and and as I mentioned, I, I really like watching the raw potential and seeing what they could be molded into uh, because a lot of the times those are the guys that end up being – freakishly athletic dudes in the NBA that go on to have great careers if they get with the right coaching uh, is is those guys with the raw potential. And I'm going to do a comp just for the hell of it to just to see what you guys say. Um, I think I think Musa Diabate can be really similar to Bam Adebayo, but a little more athletic, not a little more athletic, a little more versatile, because I think Bam is what he is. Bam can play down low. Bam can go rim run and play at the rim but he can't necessarily bring the ball up the floor or be a facilitator and i think that musa diabate could be more of a facilitator uh at the collegiate level and at the professional level um, but i know that somebody memphis has had a good relationship with for a long time uh he was supposed supposed to come in for a visit correct brooks he never made it on his visit correct right he was co- supposed to come for a visit in late february obviously was never able to reschedule because of everything that's going on uh currently but somebody that Memphis has been in been in with with a, for a long time and someone I'm definitely intrigued by. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing that Musa does extremely well is, you know, on top of what you said, he runs the floor like a deer and he's extremely active. And those are two things that regardless of his development or skill set, those translate, period. Um so Absolutely. he's extremely young. He's staying in 2021, and Memphis has a tremendous relationship with him. So um, transitioning to my pick, uh, and and yeah, just like you guys said, the obvious one for me was Jordarian, J.D. Davison. So I'm going with somebody else just because I want to drop a tidbit in here. Uh, so there's a, a kid named Josh Minot that no one knows about, no one's ever heard that name mentioned associated with Memphis. No one's probably heard that name really much of, you know, outside of like really big time basketball recruiting nuts. Spell it for all spell it for all of our YouTube people right now. Josh J O S H Mino M I N O T T. I know. Uh but he's God he's bless. from St. Andrews School down in Boca Raton, Florida. He's uh six eight. 175 small forward unrated completely unranked no stars uh no no rating no ranking but i'm telling you you watch josh Minot is going to be one of the biggest and fastest risers of the fall uh he won a uh 6a class title with saint andrews and uh i, th- I think in recent weeks he started to pick up offers from florida florida state texas but memphis has actually been in with Josh Minot for quite a while and has a, a deep tie and connection to the people in the state of Florida around Josh Minot. So it's going to be interesting to see as he blows up, how does Memphis develop that relationship? How far do they want to go with Josh Minot? I think you've seen that with Penny Hardaway, sometimes it's hard to get Penny Hardaway away from those top 25 top 50 level guys and to see a guy like Josh Minot who's completely unranked who had is going to have a meteoric rise how how early does Memphis start to turn on the jet fuel with him um, so that's one of the guys that intrigues me the most just because I want to see how Memphis's level of interest matches his rise in the rankings are we going to do another yeah, round? Can we, can we just turn it back okay. to me and let me go ahead and get J- yeah, J.D. Double out of the up. way? Yeah, double up yeah, on get JD it. Everybody way, knows yeah. my love of J.D. Davidson. You know, I'm I'm his biggest fan in terms of his game. Uh, I've long I guarantee, said, I guarantee you outside of his family, you are his biggest fan. I have a, a J.D. Davidson <laughs> t-shirt. Yeah, yeah so, I believe it. <laughs> Uh, his family yes. actually gifted me a J.D. Yes. Davison t-shirt. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm his biggest fan, but I'm also like a, a tremendous critic. You know, I, I will say the things that I, I believe he's got to improve on. Um, but you know, JD is one of those kids that I've long said has you know he's the best point guard in 2021, and I, I will stand by that. I think the July evaluation period would have shown that. I think he would have dominated competition. Uh, he, he even tweeted, uh, "Coronavirus saved a lot of you dudes." Uh, he, he would have finally got to start for Fusion. He, he would have gotten to start. He would have gotten to be the the main spotlight player for Fusion. Uh, I can I can guarantee you there would have been multiple highlight posters. posters of dudes getting put on a poster, printed out, and put on walls. Um, he would have put so many dudes in coffins on this. On oh my gosh! hundred yeah. percent. Oh, like it's one thing to like see the highlight videos of what he does. But then to be on the baseline, come on, man. and see it in a in person, and you're like, you don't know what's coming. You just don't know. You guys don't know. Um, but J- JD has continued to put in the work, and his his progress on the court, and his progress in the rankings. You know, getting that fifth star um, is is big for him. And it, but it's all a tribute to his hard work. So. You know, as I want to shout out real quick, I want to shout out his trainer, Blair Woods. Um, Blair has played a a big role in that part of it too. Um, his skills, his skills trainer based out of Atlanta. We become pretty good friends with him. Blair Woods is tremendous. One of the, uh, I mean, almost immediately you can tell he's extremely humble, extremely kind hearted dude, and just cares, like just wants to help dudes get better. Uh, but is tremendous at what he does. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Blair. Big ups to what you've done with JD. So yeah, that's my second player to look out for. For we got, I got to talk about JD a little bit too. Um, I'm, that's not my guy for the second round, but but you know, having the chance to, I drove from Memphis to Birmingham to meet up with Brooks. Then we drove the hour and a half, almost two hours to Letahatchee, which is right outside of Mobile, Alabama, and um. I mean, Letahatchee is like the smallest of small towns. Um, you literally going down a two-lane highway and then dump off onto a gravel road and drive another probably 10 miles down this gravel road, and then all of a sudden you take a right-hand turn and there's a school there. And boom. <laughs> and boom. And it is unbelievable the amount of people that were there, the game that I had a chance to, we, if you've seen the locker room episode that we did with JD, um, I think it was like four hours before the game started, the parking lot was shut down. An like, hour before the, the girls game. Yes. It was unreal. Like they wouldn't let anybody in. Like we tried to go out and get some other footage of Letahatchee for the episode. And they would we couldn't leave. We like, couldn't. We, the 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 aisles were so jam packed, and people had parked so horribly that we could we literally could not get our car out. <laughs> it was crazy, but it's a it's a it's one of those like you know, India like high school Indiana high school gyms that like super small, intimate, packed to the gills, people everywhere, and. Seeing JD play was an experience because it's it's clear that JD is is a man amongst boys in that situation. He's just his talent level is just too much for that that division um, of Alabama high school um, basketball. Um, but one of the things that I really appreciated about him is that I think he understands how important he is to that city and how his growth and his development. Um, not only speaks to him and his family, but also to the city and the that little town of Letahatchee. And and as a 17-year-old kid already understanding that, um, being able to carry that weight, you saw that play out a few weeks later in the state championship for Alabama 2A basketball when J.D. Um, – came across the middle of the lane or came across the middle. He, he had the ball in the wing with like five seconds left hard, couple of really hard dribbles to the top of the key and then just buried 
a three-pointer. Step back, fadeaway. Step back, fadeaway three-pointer at the buzzer. To win the game. To win the game, to win the state championship in his junior year. Incredible. So um, clutch. Just clutch. And and I'm just – it's exciting to see, like, it's his story. I'm a storyteller. We're all storytellers. We love to help these kids tell their stories. And being able to tell J.D.'s story – of growing up in a city that he should never be able to be seen for what he can do um, and that he is being seen now, that he is out there, that people are starting to notice him um, and that it's not overwhelming to him. That's There's a lot of translatable skills that he has for the court, for the next level and the level after. That one to me is the biggest one is that he doesn't get overwhelmed by the magnitude of the situation because it is a huge event every time he plays a home game at Lettahatchee or at Calhoun School. It's a huge event, and it doesn't affect him. It doesn't phase him. That was a lot to say for that not being your guy. It was. <laughs> Sorry. I love JD. All right, Christian. We're going so, in reverse so, order. So we're skipping Kenny? No, you, we're going Kenny, no, you, you me, me. We're going counterclockwise. All right. Um, once again, I could go obvious here and go with Chet Holmgren because he's the number two player in the class, but I'm not going to do that. I feel like that's cheating a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to go with somebody who's a little lower ranked. I believe he's still number 49 in the rankings. Uh, somebody that Memphis has been in on a while is, uh, Dallin Debo Coleman, somebody that they got in on pretty early. Uh, someone that I've had. Uh, I've gotten to talk to three or four times, I think, and do interviews with and, and kind of get to talk to him. Uh, if you haven't seen him yet, two guard, very athletic, can run the floor. Debo can shoot that right. And he can shoot. shoot he can that shoot. Pill, baby. Uh, he's originally from Memphis. He played for Team Penny. He did not play under Penny. Penny wasn't his coach, but he did play for Team Penny uh, when he was growing up. So he's a guy that has connections to Memphis, uh, obviously has a relationship with Penny. Uh, but didn't play for him, and is building a relationship with the staff. Uh, somebody that, uh, like I said, can pretty much do everything in the backcourt, can shoot, can get to the rim. Uh, some someone that I think is still a little bit underrated. I don't think I think he should be a little bit higher than forty nine, but definitely one of my favorite players in the class. Especially that's a little bit more under the radar than some of the guys that are five stars or in the top five or ten. I believe Kansas is actually starting to pick up interest with. Debo, and he's got. Our, he definitely has big time offers. All right, Kenny, who's your who's your second dude? Well, I'm gonna go with the obvious, and the reason I'm gonna go with the obvious is because I haven't been sold on this guy um, at all, and and I still to the to a to a point struggle, but I want to th- give respect where respect is due, and that's Chet Holmgren. Um, the number two player in the class. And the first time I saw Chet, and this is, I think, even before I saw, I knew that the Tigers were in on him. He is a shockingly skinny kid. He is tiny. Um, he's tiny. But he is so skilled. Um, having the chance to do some some research on his you know, highlights and things like that. Um, he is a, an incredibly skilled seven footer. Um, and I, having seen the, the, the Memphis facilities, having seen the effort and the attention that they put into, um, you know, developing not only the, the skill set on the court, but also the lifestyle of, of healthy eating and working out and things like that with, with coach Rick, coach Darby, um, you know, I know that I know that if the Tigers were able to were to be able to land Chet, that they would um, he would be um, instantly put on weight and pounds and gain strength and and things like that. Um, but he has got a skill set that is so far more mature than I think his than than should be at his age, right? Like he is he's doing things as a seven footer that seven footers at that age should not be able to do. And, and this is going to be, man, hear me when I say this, he might be more skilled as a senior this year coming up 
than James Wiseman was as a senior come as in his senior year. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in that's terms fair. of skill I think that's set. fair. Uh, when you look at what James did in high school, it was like he could have done everything, but he mainly played down low. And Chet plays all over the floor. And something that you can really only see, I guess you can see it on film, but it's different in person. Uh, I got to watch him at the MBPA camp last summer in Virginia, and he's got attitude, dude. Like, I feel like a lot of people see the skinnier kids and they're like, oh, he gets pushed around. He doesn't take no shit in the paint at all. And he's not afraid to tell you that he just dunked on you or just shot right over you. And I person, some people don't like that. Some people don't like the showing off and getting in your face. I love that. I love it. I love that attitude. I, I think you have to have that attitude if you play any competitive sport. And he definitely has it. And he, like I said, he gets in people's faces. He's not afraid to tell you that he just, that he just yammed on you. Uh, so I like Chet. I, like you said, he's very skilled. Uh, but his attitude to me is something that's gonna, that's gonna carry him throughout college and into the NBA. All right, Kenny. Who's his comp? Ooh, man! I was honestly like, there's not a comp. Like, yeah, there's, there's not, not a comp. Everyone says like, everyone said, Prince was six nine. Everyone says Ke- everyone says Kevin Durant, but no, no. I I honestly I think he's like a a seven foot version of Tayshawn Prince. Not not mm. a lefty, mm. but the way he plays, he's skilled. The way he he's kind of got some grit to him. Tayshawn, he. And he would get in guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was dude. no joke. Yeah. Yeah. Tayshawn Prince was no joke. Tayshawn was more of an outside player, though. And I, Chet and I know Holmgren Chet lives on the well. perimeter. No, you know what I mean? Like, And I'm thinking of height-wise. That's, it's why, hard that's why there's to, no comp. It's hard to jump the gap right. with four inches of right. height between right. Tayshawn and Chet. And there's that's why he's such a unique player, and it's like – that's why he is where he is in terms of the rankings and in terms of because he's so unique. People just want want to see what he turns into. The question that I have is is he's going to have to pick a school, I think, a coach that is going to sell him on the vision of that he's not just because he's 7 foot doesn't mean that he's going to be playing in the post. Yeah. Like that's not his skill set. He can't. He's he he can attitude wise. He can get away with it, but that's not what he does. He's the ultimate stretch. Is he? Is he the originator of the stretch five? We've been talking about stretch fours for years now. Is he the stretch five? Are there any? I feel like there's got to be a stretch five somewhere. I don't there's think there's got to be. Crickets, crickets. I mean, yeah, would Jer- he? He is a. I guess Jaron would be a stretch four, not a five. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I guess so. Is he like a? Is he like a? A more athletic Dirk? I mean, I don't know. But Dirk didn't. Dirk wasn't. Was Dirk a seven yeah. footer? Maybe he's. Maybe that's your player comp. That's yeah, a, Dirk. Dirk could you know he's really physical though. Like he, yeah. I mean, he'll post you in the mid range. Super physical. That that yeah. mid range step back, turn around. Like he he's th- got a mid range package that Chet just does not have at right. this point. I feel like that's why K- his, I feel like that's why KD has been such a such a comp for him. Just because KD is seven, uh, basically a seven footer. He's super skinny. He can play down low, but he's more out on the perimeter. I guess that's I guess that's where that KD comp comes from. I don't know. That's a tough one. That is a definitely a tough comp. And we didn't do one for JD. We want to do one real quick. I have I have one in mind. Go for it. Y'all might not agree with this. I think Russell Westbrook's a good comp for him. It's a a very good comp. Yeah, because athletic athleticism, explosiveness, ability to get to the rim. And I I think Russ is like six three six four, and JD six two could end up around that six three six four mark. Uh, JD obviously is not as much in your face as Russell Westbrook is, but I think I think by the time he gets to the NBA, he has that same type of attitude that Russ has. Yeah, I mean JD's got there. I mean you you can you can throw kind of a, a handful of point guards, right? NBA point guards into this category, Russ. D Rose, yeah, definitely. Because he's not, Bledsoe. he's because JD's not a very polished shooter at this point. He has the yeah. potential to be, but he's yeah, not. kind of that. El- 
right elite athletic stat stuffing guard like that quick twitch and that's like he's got a little bit of rust he's got a little bit bit of d rose john wall blood so a little bit john wall like end-to-end speed the ability to just like burn by guys right um like in that length you know it's six three and you throw in his hair he's like six five Um, (laughs) yeah you know so that's a good comp i think the john wall comp is a really good comp for him I think you know, so watching too. John Wall in high school, John Wall just he just obliterated guys with the speed. With the speed. And JD is so much more than that. He's right. crafty. He uses footwork in ways that John Wall never did in high school. Um, so I, I think that long term, maybe yeah, John Wall has developed some of that. But at at this stage in the game, JD's more advanced footwork wise and and other aspects of his game than John Wall was. At this point, yeah, maybe D Rose is perfect for it. He's at at this point. Yeah, I mean that that elite level athleticism. Now, <laughs> you know, D Rose is what six one, maybe. I know he's listed at bigger, but he's like six one. But JD's a legit six three. Um, but crazy hops off of one and two feet. The ability to just like stop and posterize guys, um, even non-step hops like it's just insane and that translates so well to d rose there's a there's a a clip in the locker room episode that we did where jd drives to the middle of the lane passes the ball out to the wing and then fills the opposite corner or fills the corner where on the ball side and then picks the ball up it does something funky with his legs and Turns like his hips. does that does that Chris Paul like stutter dribble that you know whap dribble and then he turns his hips and at the same time he's turning his hips his legs are moving forward and then he's not gaining speed there and then he just jumps and you're like off two steps where did that come from two steps and float like flies to the basket and yams it like it's and that, see and that's the that's the instincts footwork and body manipulation wise that I'm talking about that John Wall did not have going into his yeah. or even in his junior year of high school right so long term I think JD even projects as a different type of player as John as he continues to develop so really interesting stuff I've really enjoyed this conversation uh, <laughs> yeah, we should break down we need to do his targets from a scouting perspective more often yeah. We need to do a full uh, uh, a full player comp for every team on or for every player on roster next week and see what all we can come up with. All right, what's what's next? What do we got anything else? I don't think we have anything else necessarily. Kenny, you got anything else you want to talk about? I mean, we're just sh- shooting the shit here. Yeah, man. Um Brooks, you said <laughs> something you um you tweeted something today on Twitter about summer basketball um that I thought was super interesting and I'd love to hear you break that down a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, the NABC and and uh, the Commission on Basketball have recommended striking basically the, the summer evaluation period. They're extending they, – they're recommending to the NCAA to adopt an extended dead period until the end of July, which is insane. Like, I just – I don't know what I'm going to do this summer. My life just is not going to feel complete without being able to get in the gym and see some guys. Um, that makes me yeah, it's, so sad. It's it's like, crazy especially for the players, man. 2021 kids, like, it's, like 2022, 2023, those kids will get seen next year. They'll get – you know, they'll get next spring. They'll get next summer. But 2021, like – now, now coaches are fully relying on what they were able to scout last summer and throughout the year. So, like for example, JD with Alabama Fusion last summer, they had a ridiculous backcourt with guys like Mark Sears and um, what's the the kid, the all time leading scorer in Alabama. He's going to Lipscomb. Uh, Tom Tommy Murr, Murr. Uh, <laughs> Jinx by me Coke. So, I mean, they they had a crazy backcourt. JD barely you know, played in any kind of lead role. And if you're scouting him on that, you're like, eh, right. I don't know, maybe, but yeah. and there ain't a lot of folks going to let a No. And you know, what's funny is like JD has gotten offers from like 
Texas A&M and Kansas in recent weeks. And I'm like, you guys, I know you guys haven't been to Letahatchee, Alabama. I know you haven't made that drive. And, and to me, if I'm like, if I'm looking at that as JD, I'm like, okay, I know Alabama is making that drive for me. I know Auburn, I know Memphis, I know Louisville has made that drive. But all you new people who were just like believing in the hype because I got my fifth star, you can, you can hit the road. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting to that's see. Wish, that's wishful thinking, Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, and I'm not saying that to the benefit of Memphis. I'm saying that, like, if I were a player, if you're if you're not coming to mess with me, if you're not, I, I and I know it's hard to get to where I am. If you're not coming my way, you can you can just go ahead and not even bother. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see. How many dudes get slept on, so to speak? I hate that term, but like how many dudes just get missed? Um, and then how many guys get like overvalued because of a good performance as, you know, between their sophomore and junior year? Right. And maybe they didn't develop guys that just, you know, shouldn't be at the level that they're getting recruited at because they just, they've stalled. And that happens. You see that every single year. So it, it's gonna it's gonna make for an even more prolific transfer portal in years to come. Yeah, just from twenty twenty one. And it's really tough for those guys. Like the top end guys, you can make an argument that most of them, you know, what you're getting in them. And there are the the players that can stall out and and just had a had a good performance one summer. Uh, but for the for the majority at the top of the rankings, those guys are the guys that everyone knows is good. But from the sixty to hundred guys, uh, we've talked about it with the spring evaluation period not not being available. That's when Memphis was able to really get in on Damian Ball and and watch him play and and be able to evaluate him. Uh, and then there's been plenty of other guys like Boogie Ellis had a gigantic last year on on the circuit with the way that he shot that shot him up up boards and and got him a ton more offer so it's really those back end guys that that you really feel bad for because this this is their time to shine this is their time to climb the rankings and grab some of those elite offers yeah i mean just imagine if jd had not had all of the buzz throughout his junior year because of people you know just taking highlight videos and putting them on youtube i mean here's let, let me be honest Evan Daniels has known about J.D. Davison for, for years. And I know that for a fact because I'm the one that told him. And, you know, that's, this is not a knock on Evan. He's got to see everybody on the face of the planet. Uh, you know, he's got a, a small team of guys, Brian and Josh and those guys. They're all over the place, and they're trying their best. But J.D. did not get bumped up because – Evan Daniels made the drive to Letahatchee, Alabama. He got bumped up from film review and watching tape of JD that was posted and seeing the numbers that he was putting up and being like, holy shit, this guy must be actually a lot better than I thought he was. Right. Maybe, maybe Brooks was right. And so like if he hadn't have had that happen and then all this happens, JD is all of a sudden he's a hundred and forty seventh ranked three star point a, a guard. low major player. He's he's, or he's a borderline. He's a low high major mid major plus point guard who maybe falls to somebody who sh who has no business getting him. Now let um just let's just call it what it is. Alabama already knew about him and they want him. Auburn knows about him. They want to know. So I guess the reality is like the schools that do their homework and they, they listen to the right people, they're going to find dudes like that. But there are guys. There's so many players. It, I mean, it's it's bound to happen. There's so many players that there are definitely situations where that, that could and will happen. Well, the rookie of the year in the NBA is a perfect example yep. of that. And John Morant. Yep. You know, so it's like, so it's like these guys are getting – taking away this opportunity for them to have this summer is we're going to, we're going to see a, a potential John Morant coming out of a Murray state. COVID is making more John Morants. Yeah, pretty much hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I mean, you just look at 2020 with one of Memphis's targets that, you know, has reclassified Brandon Murray state champion named 
Maryland player of the year, you know, Baltimore, Maryland player of the year, kills it, demolishes everybody, comes in single-handedly, beats IMG. He puts up 41 against IMG. Had a tremendous summer last year, but but played for kind of an unknown squad. And he had a full summer evaluation period. And he still got slept on and missed. Nobody recruited him until late. So what did he do? He reclassified to 2021. So I think the smart guys that have the offers they want, they're reclassifying up or committing early. You'll see a bunch of dude. I think you'll see a bunch of dudes reclassify from 2021 to 2022, so that they have more time to be evaluated. Kind of bet on themselves. Uh, yeah, bet on themselves and go post grad, uh, which is so wild, man. That is such a wild idea. But to reclassify from what other options do they have? Like, let's just think worst yeah. case scenario: no college basketball next year. Like, I don't even know. I, I might start crying in the middle of saying this, but no college basketball. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I'm just saying it's not It's not against, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility from those I'm talking to. It's possible. What do you do if you're a school who goes into 2020, 2021 with all freshmen, sophomores, and juniors? You have no spots available for 2021 unless you have a dude transfer, unless you have a dude that has a really good year and goes pro. Well, all of a sudden, you go from, you know, not, you know, having a season possibly open up scholarships one or two and recruiting dudes to now you've got no scholarships because there was no season and you've got to start clearing cap space, so to speak, and forcing guys out. Yep. It's, and it's, then I it mean, gets we were, ugly. We are on the brink of utter insanity in college basketball. Yeah, it gets ugly if that happens. Chaos. The transfer Chaos. portal is loaded if that happens. It's worse than it is today. Yep. So, doom and gloom, everybody. We started <laughs> on a positive note, and we are like, the end is nigh. Well, it's reality, man. It's reality. And and again, it's like what Christian said from the very beginning of this conversation the people that get hurt the most are the young kids. And that's sad because uh, some of these kids come from situations that, that this is them getting out of high school into college, potentially to the NBA is going to revolutionize the lives of the families that they have, the generations of families. And it's just, it's sad. It's a, it's a sad situation and we hope for the best, but it is what it is. Well, Antonio Anderson actually, um, you know, he joined us for the VIP chat last week, and and this week he posted on Instagram. He's starting an Instagram segment every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday Saturday called "A Way Out," and it's documenting the way that pl- former players that have turned coaches and businessmen have established ways out of their old ways of life prior to basketball. Um, so like you said, I mean, like Antonio Anderson is documenting those things that are so real for so many kids. It's, it's the reality for, you know, Antonio Anderson, Joey Dorsey, Jeremy Hunt, uh, you know, Willie Kemp basketball is that way out. And if you take away those opportunities, what do they have? So my hope is that we, you know, fans can, you know, are, people in in our country can rally that we can gather around each other do the right things uh, you know while we can to help get past this as quickly as possible so that we don't take opportunities from our future um so i feel like that was like a weird speech to end this thing <laughs> anybody got a joke to <laughs> take uh, us out no jokes but i do have one thing that i think we should go ahead and get out of the way uh, I think we should go ahead and announce that we're gonna we're gonna keep doing those VIP Zoom chats. We haven't necessarily had a had a trio conversation about it, but I know we all loved it. Uh, I know we we had a lot more people show up than we all three expected to show up, uh, and it's something that we definitely want to continue doing throughout this time. So we don't have a date yet for when we're gonna do the next one. Hell, we never know day to day when we're all gonna be available, uh, but we do definitely know. I think I can speak for all of us, even though we haven't necessarily had a collective conversation about it, that we definitely want to do that again and multiple times in the future. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed the opportunity to visit with former players and have a conversation in front of fans about some of the issues they faced as players, but also what they're going through now as players and also just current you know, industry topics, uh, NCAA, amateurism, all that good stuff. So I think that that's definitely um, a trend that we would like to keep up probably maybe once a month. Yeah, uh, make it I think, a monthly thing. Yeah, get some good visitors in on the Zoom chat, and uh, yeah. So, Kenny, you got anything else? I'm good, man. Christian, last call. I'm good. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in Twenty. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 